This is City AM Unregulated. I'm Emma Hazlitt. On this week's show, to dragon or not to dragon? That is the question. First thing I saw was Peter Jones' stripey sucks. Kirsty Henshaw, founder of Free From Meal Range, Kirsty's. Still haunts me, I was so scared. Chunky CEO and founder, Rob Law. What people seem to forget, as I told Richard filing around the studio, fully grown adult male, and it was strong enough for him, but not strong enough for Theo's uh, giant Greek biceps. Hello and welcome to City AM Unregulated. This week we're asking if bringing in a dragon helps or hinders you. We're joined by two entrepreneurs, Kirsty Henshaw, the founder of Free From Food Range Kirsty's, who got investments from Peter Jones and Duncan Bannatyne, and Rob Law, the chief executive of colourful kids suitcase brand Trunky, who didn't get dragon investment. So before you guys battle it out over whether it's better with or without a dragon, I want to get a feel for your stories. So Kirsty, let's hear you in the den. She pitched it so well and she, she was so passionate about it. I went to a big meeting with a large supermarket about a month ago. She just, answer by answer, won us over. Who is it? Tesco. Yeah. I just worked like two, two and a half jobs at a time. How many? <clears throat> well, two jobs and then I'd... I had a bit of a night job as well. I was self-employed. You had two jobs and a bit of a night job as well? And my little boy, yeah. I don't, and your boy? I don't know how he puts up with me, really, but, yeah. You're pretty amazing, aren't you? I'd like to make you an offer for the full amount that you were asking for, 65000 but I only want 25%. What I'll do is I'll match Peter's offer. OK. I have to think about it if you like. It sounds like you, you had a really nice time there. What, what's your story? How did you get involved in Dragon's Den? Well, I've um, always been quite entrepreneurial from a young age, um, as a lot of entrepreneurs are. Starts quite young. Set the business up when I was 23, 24. Uh, my son had allergies, so I've always been interested in nutrition and free from foods. And back then, there wasn't many products around, so we were one of the first companies to um, launch a branded range. And I was doing it myself in terms of raising the money myself, started university just to get the student loan and then and then quit and put the money into the business. High risk. Hi, yeah, exactly. Still paying it off now. <laughs> Did whatever I could to get this business off the ground. I believed in it and obviously still believe in it now. But it was getting to a point where I was um, trying to, I was getting in, in, in deep in terms of, I was meeting with big retailers and um, the brand and the business had a lot of potential, but in the background we hadn't got very much at all and we certainly didn't have any money so I needed to take it to the next level we were only such a tiny business and we just needed some funding we needed some support and we definitely needed the publicity that we got from it. And so how did you get involved was it did you get the phone call from the producers saying do you want to get involved or was it your idea to apply? I um, left a retailer meeting and um, sat in the canteen outside afterwards after a great meeting and basically I'd got a list in. I sat in the canteen and cried into a coffee for about half an hour and thought, how the hell am I going to make this happen? I had about £200 to my name and um, cash flow was just never going to enable us to get where we needed to be. That night, after a, about a bottle of cheap wine, I went on bbc.co.uk and um, just um, went through the process online and um, got the call about a week later. So if you want to get involved in Dragon's Den, bottle of wine first helps with the application process. Sure does. <laughs> and so what's happened since you got investment? How much did you get from Peter and Duncan? I got 65000 from the two of them um, back in 2010, um, which we used the money for marketing in terms of um, changing the brand 
the look and feel of the brand, making it look more less homemade. Um, we worked with a big manufacturer under license and we launched and, and sold a lot. <laughs> and then in 2012, I started creating, um, well, I created a range of ready meals, really healthy, but also free from as well. There was no other products like it at the time. So we got an exclusive deal with Sainsbury's, which went really, really well. And then we rolled out nationwide um, after that and the other retailers. And would you say that's because you you got that publicity from the den? As soon as I went on the den, the, the strangest thing happened overnight. It made our profile go from nothing to suddenly people thought we were this big business and I was this amazing entrepreneur when really I was going home to my bait, my four-year-olds and them still having all the worries that I had before. But people perceived me to be... Um, a good businesswoman, have a good business. And, yeah, the recognition enabled us to get a good deal with a great um, ready meal factory and help us get to where we wanted to be. Okay, and so, Rob, let's move on to you. You're probably one of, if not the most successful Dragon's Den... I want to say the word reject, sorry. Um, let's, Let's hear your ordeal. I did not expect the strap to break so easily, I've got to be honest. The moment Theo pulled that handle off, the whole integrity of the quality of that product was compromised. So I'm afraid I'm out. You've got problems with the product. You've got... Problems that can be solved. Yeah, but you shouldn't come here with problems uh, uh, that can be solved. Your company is currently worthless. I'm out. I wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't invest in the company. So I've no interest in this at all, so I'm going to declare myself out. Would you be prepared to move to something like half the company? For 100 no, grand. No, no. Okay, well, I'm out. I wish okay. you the best of luck. So they must be eating their words now. <laughs> what happened to your company after that experience? Well, after the den, I was, I was really struggling to get trunky in the high street. The luggage buyers were telling me I'd invented a toy and the toy buyers were saying it was a piece of luggage, so no one wanted to take the product on. I've been passed around various buyers at John Lewis and eventually, after Dragon's Den aired, um, I finally got my foot through the door and within a matter of months we got national distribution through the John Lewis chain. It became a huge hit uh, and we struggled to keep up with demand. I mean, trunkies are absolutely ubiquitous in any (laughs) airport around the country and my ankles tell that story. How many units have you sold? So uh, we've been trading for 10 years and over 10 years we've sold um, 3 million units. So we calculate consumers around the world have spent about $200 million on our brand. Was it worth it to go through that ordeal on the on the den? Do you think you would be where you are now without having done it? Looking back now, I wouldn't change a thing. However, when I left the den, I really wish I invented a time machine and not <laughs> ride on suitcase. The BBC that night advertised the episode as wheelie rubbish. Uh, I knew it was going to be car crash Great telly. Fun, but amazingly, the public saw through the theatrical edit and were huge backers. I mean, people who didn't even have children were talking about us the next day. So our, our, as Kirsty said, our kind of reputation, our brand awareness just went through the roof and it opened many, many doors for us, even though I left empty-handed and had no money. But you, you have been through some high court battles. Can you tell us about that? The one thing no one tells you when you're aspiring to be an entrepreneur behind a product or service is that as soon as you become pop, as soon as you become successful, which we all aspire to be, you get copied. That's the sad state of affairs. So um, we get copied quite a lot. And uh, there was one particular company based both in the UK and Hong Kong uh, that uh, we thought it was an infringing product on our what's called a registered European design, which protects the shape of the product. Uh, we won in the High Court, uh, so that was great. But they appealed the High Court decision and it got overturned. And we took it all the way to the Supreme Court, where down to the judge's 
personal view, they thought it didn't infringe, so we lost. But uh, uh, that particular piece of IP, the design registration, has been successful at taking over 4,000 offending listings off various global websites around the world. So it's just a real shame that that IP doesn't stand up as well in the UK as it has internationally. Do you feel like having the mentoring side of the investment from the Dragons would have helped you prevent that? Uh, I think I think when you're starting out, you do feel vulnerable. Uh, you do go after some something like the Dragon's Den to try and both get the money, the mentoring and the exposure. Um, but uh, I, was, I was quite quick to find a, a local business mentoring group and, and really kind of bounced ideas around them. I think in the early years, a lot of your problems are around people and employment and trying to deal with growing a team. Because um, after all, I kind of realised quite early on that it's great to have a, a fantastic product, but you can't take it to the next level without a great team behind you. So I went on quite a journey about professional development and how to be a strong leader and, and grow a fantastic team behind us. So what is it actually like to go into the den? Kirsty, what, what was your experience of kind of being there behind the scenes? Is it as intimidating as everyone suggests? It's far more intimidating <laughs> than anyone suggests. Uh, for me, it was the most memorable day of my life in terms of we this was when it was filmed in London it's now in Manchester now but we're down in London stayed in a hotel met some really crazy entrepreneurs in the hotel the bar the night before um something I'll never forget and then in the morning at six o'clock in the morning you get taken to the studio and um I was and you go in a green room and and you, you leave one at a time and they don't come back in so you've no idea how well people have done or if anyone's got investment that day you're very well looked after obviously by the BBC but then um I was the last one in that day so it was like 6 p.m so I'd been there I'd been um in that green room for nearly 12 hours eating the dry sandwiches eating lots of yeah lots of snacks and just um worrying myself sick basically and then um yeah, I went in and the first thing I saw was Peter Jones's stripy socks and it still haunts me. I was so scared. <laughs> and stood in the middle of the studio on this little cross and then had to get out our pitch. And um, yeah, that three minute pitch, it's been voted one of the best pitches and it's also wow. on GCSE syllabuses. A-level syllabus is now across the country in terms of English language, which is quite funny. Um, <laughs> given I have no qualifications in English and also business in A-level, so... Yeah, it was absolutely petrifying and I do not know how I got my words out and I certainly do not know how I managed to answer their questions. I was in there for about two and a half hours, or just under two and a half hours. And Rob, what, what about you? You know, you, once you'd finished your pitch and you were coming off, how did you feel and what did you do afterwards? Did you just go straight for a pub? <laughs> well, yeah, that, the green room, fortunately, I was second or third up, so I didn't have the, the hard pressure that Kirsty had to deal with. Uh, and her pitch was pretty much textbook amazing. So it's great that they're teaching that. <laughs> Literally textbook amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went up there, I was really confident in the product, less so about the financials. I'm a trained product designer, not an accountant, so I, I knew about the product. What people seem to forget is I towed Richard Farley around the studio, a fully grown adult male, and it was strong enough for him but not strong enough for Theo's uh, giant Greek biceps. <laughs> <laughs> so after, after it all kind of tumbled down in front of me, it was kind of like an out-of-body experience, something like a car crash going out of control, which you couldn't pull back despite you trying to trying hardest to pull it back. You heard in the clip that I was saying, look, these problems can be solved, uh, but that didn't bite with them. So yeah, I left and um, I went to a pub, saw a friend who worked in London and just sort of said, oh my God, 
ruin my business as soon as this airs. It's just going to be game over. That summer, the government banned hand luggage, and I just launched a children's piece of hand luggage. So the first year of trading was pretty torturous. Uh, it was just me on my own for six months working out of my bedroom. Uh, and eventually, uh, I took took the move to start employing people, moved out into a mate's office. But the, the turning point was Dragon's Den, where uh, the, the public saw through it. I knew it was going to be car crash telly so i put a survey on the website that night not thinking i'd sell many and over two thousand people filled out the survey with amazing words of support and we sold quite a few trunkies too so uh, it was a great turning point what got you through that first year afterwards uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have, have various personal issues that they've had to deal with that make them quite strong. I, I've had my share, and it's just not easy running a business. So you've got to have thick skin, you've got to have tenacity, you've got to be incredibly driven. And that, that's what's a bit frustrating when you have people shouting off the sofa. So far, that's a really simple idea. I've, I've had that idea. It's easy having the idea. For, in product design, you've got to have 100 ideas to narrow it down to one really good one. And you've got to find a market that wants to buy it at a certain price. And then you've got to get that product to market. You've got to make so many sacrifices. So it's quite frustrating when people think it's easy running a business, but it's, it's incredibly difficult. I mean, what, what makes you believe in your product so much? I, I think that would be where I would fall, is I would just start questioning myself. <laughs> in the early days, because I, I actually came up with the idea back in 97 while I was studying product design, and there was a national luggage design competition I entered. And friends and family said it was a great idea. I tested it with kids, but I eventually licensed it after luggage manufacturers had turned me down and toy manufacturers had turned me down. I finally licensed it to a toy company, but they got it wrong. Uh, they sold 18,000 units, but uh, only to one customer in Saudi Arabia. So they had a global licensing deal and Trunky had never come to the UK, to Europe, even to the US. So I decided I could do a better job myself and they actually went into liquidation through bad management. And uh, I thought, well, I know mums want to buy this and this is a lifestyle brand product, not a cheap ride on toy. So I repositioned the branding and uh, thought I'll, I'll have a go at bringing it to market myself. But my business acumen back then was uh, as deep as thinking, well, if I buy a container of 1,600 trunkies, if it takes me a year to sell them, at least I'll have made my money back, knowing nothing about cash flow, uh, stock, and all that kind of stuff. So it was a, it was a huge, steep learning curve. And Kirsty, you, did you kind of have that what's the worst that can happen attitude? That's probably one of the things I say the most, yeah, what's the worst that can happen? Before I went on um, Dragon's Den, I asked a few people's opinion. I, I got the call to say, we want you on the show. So I rang up a few people and everybody said, oh God, don't do it. So that made me want to do it even more. And I just thought, what is the worst that can happen? You know, I've got... Total business. embarrassment. Yeah, it's fine. Do that on a Saturday night anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> No, I thought... This can only go, you know, it's going to get in front of the TV. I believe in it. You know, the products are good and people are already buying them. So it can't, nothing can kind of take from away from that. So for me, I always see opportunities and just take them. Nothing's ever been handed to me on a plate. And I'm thankful of that because it does make me want to try. And, and any opportunity, I, um, I turned down a different TV show to go on Dragon's Den. What was the other TV show? Um, it was something, it's never been that famous. It was, I think Theo was on it. It was something like High Street Brands. It was around the same time, 2010. And um, I could only do the one show. And obviously I picked Dragon's Den because I'd watched it all night. I remember Rob's picture. It was a few years before mine. And it, I used to watch it with my dad and just think, how cool would it be to go on there? So obviously I was going to take that opportunity. And obviously I'm extremely glad that I did. What comes after the den with the dragons? How often do you see the dragons? And at what point do you actually get the money in your account? 
Um, well, my business was fairly simple. So there was no previous investors. There was just me as a shareholder. It was a lot simpler than I imagine a lot of businesses um, are that get the offer of investment. So obviously the show, as when you leave the show, you sign a load of paperwork to say you won't say anything until the show airs. Then if you're anything like me, you get on your phone as soon as you leave the studio and ring up. Mum. Yeah, ring your mum. Um, but then what happens is you go to their office. So obviously I'm based in the, in the north, so I was always coming down here. Went to their office, discussed the You meet their management team. Peter had a really good kind of team to help with all sorts and kind of help you run the business. So um, met with them. And then I think it took about three months for paperwork to be drawn up and... Um, me being a little bit naive back then just signed everything that was put in front of me but it, it wasn't you know it wasn't too bad at all but I mean most of the investments I believe that get offered investment don't actually go through I think at due diligence there's some issues that arise but with me it was very straightforward the business was just me um from a back bedroom type you know with a four-year-old answering the phone from time to time that was that was our business so it was quite basic and um it was easy to easy to scale up and how often do you meet with the actual dragons? Um, I met with Peter and Duncan possibly 10 times in three years. Um, they were there when we needed them and otherwise it's their management team on more of a day-to-day contact basis. So six years later they've kind of moved away? In 2013 my two business partners bought them out. Um, we felt it was the right time. We'd been with them for three years and we were going in a different direction so um we they were brought out quite amicably robert you've since the den and since all that you've become quite vocal on the plight of small firms and small businesses to change the subject completely do you think that brexit is going to hurt small firms like yours i think in the long term for all business it's the uncertainty the immediate effect for us is actually a big positive. We manufacture our products in the UK and we export it globally. Uh, half our sales are in US dollars through export. So actually the exchange rate is a benefit beneficial for us being so low. Um, but the long term, um, there's just the uncertainty. Uh, we, we, work for ch- we work in children's products, so there's European legislation protecting them. I can't see that changing. We have a massive IP portfolio from patents, trademarks, design registrations. Trunky's trademarked in 51 countries, so 27 of those are in the EU. So the uncertainty about what that means to our European rights is 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 up for grabs. I don't think anyone's going to do anything stupid, though. I think it's going to uh, remain intact. And also in Europe, uh, Jaguar Land Rover recently was saying that people aren't buying Jaguars in Germany anymore. Um, they want to buy their local cars. So so shouting about having a British-made product isn't quite so beneficial in the UK. In fact, there was a, a funny Mumsnet forum post that we saw where we, we launched a, a bus called Boris, a London <laughs> bus, and it has a Union Jack on the side. And this Mumsnet th- uh, thread started with, I've, I've just bought a Boris the bus. Uh, this was like the day after Brexit. Uh, and uh, we're going to Europe on holiday and I'm thinking of returning it because it's called <laughs> Boris and it has a Union Jack on the side. You put a note at the bottom saying <laughs> any like, returns will not oh, be accepted. Were, there were 3,000 comments and it was quite entertaining reading through them all. But uh, yeah, two very different perspectives. So what about funding for small firms? A lot of that comes from Europe, doesn't it? I, I'll, I'll just give you a brief overview of our funding journey. So I started by borrowing as much as I personally could on a bank loan and through 
through family. So I think we started off with about with £70,000. That was enough to buy the first couple of containers. And then the bank back then actually had the small firm's loan guarantee, which was incredibly valuable. He well. got, got turned around and sadly it's not uh, as attractive anymore. But we had two loans through that, about fifty and £70,000. And then I invented another product called we call Booster Pack, which is a fully certified car booster that doubles as a backpack. We didn't have the funds to launch that product, so I went out to Angel Networks and secured a, a £200,000 investment for 10% of the business. So two years after the den, the business was definitely valued at £2 million. Um, and then in 2013, we had great growth aspirations for going after the US market, growing in China, uh, building a really strong management team around me, um, uh, and it required significant investment. So we went out to sort of private equity level investors and bought the BGF on board the Business Growth Fund, who put about £4 million into the business, uh, valued the company at about £12 million. And Kirsty, are you going to see any kind of change from Brexit? Have you had any problems so far? Are you expecting problems? <laughs> I think the price of some of our ingredients have gone up, but I'm not entirely sure how much that will affect us um, going forward. So... Is it a worry for you? Um, I lose sleep over a lot of things, but not so much that, no. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll start with you on this, actually, Kirsty, because, you know, you've you've been at close quarter with the Dragons a few times. What did you learn about leadership from your experience in the den? Obviously, as Rob was saying, build a good management team around you. Um, from watching Peter, he had an excellent management team who really knew how to support the, the small businesses that they were investing in and so for me I've taken that forward and um, tried to kind of nurture who we're working with and I've had the same people work with me for the last three years um, yeah I mean it's I'm an ex-barmaid I'm, I'm an ex-therapist I'm an ex-care assistant so I've never been um, a leader so this is all brand new for me but I just keep the kind of heart and the, the soul of the business in full focus and then try and get everybody else to believe in that as well and keep everyone in on the journey and hope that everyone cares and um, is enthusiastic as it as I am. And um, Rob, what's your advice to, to aspiring entrepreneurs wanting to go into the, the den? I thought I was going to have a negative experience, but it turned out to be the most positive experience. So I, I can only be an advocate of, of going on the show. I mean, it's been running for, what, 11 years now, so I'm not sure how big the the audience sizes anymore and they probably need to change the format somewhat to advice <laughs> for the BBC there <laughs> but um but no look when you start off in business you need cash you need an exposure uh, and you need advice so the dragon's den's one of the options out there um crowdfunding websites are also great uh, new tools now so back in uh, 2006 there were there weren't any so this time around I'll probably favour more one of those sort of platforms to try and grow awareness because then you can engage with your customer base early on and help with the product development throughout the, the cycle of developing your product so th there's a few more options uh, despite the banks pulling back on on some so look around yeah um so final question for both of you I'll start with you Kirsty who's your favorite dragon Deborah I really like Deborah um uh, obviously she wasn't one of my dragons um, in fact she was it was only her and James that didn't give me an offer but I've met Deborah on a few occasions and um, yeah really like what she stands for she's very ethical and she's always had a lot of time for me even though um, even though she didn't invest in me obviously my dragons as well but Deborah especially Rob more well, difficult for, question 
Well, for me, it has to be Richard Farley because uh, he really got the Trunky concept uh, and um, uh, was the only dragon to make an offer. But um, I actually sold him the two Trunkies on the show uh, after the cameras had stopped. I gave him a Dragon's Den discount. <laughs> and uh, a few months later, I got a Coots check that had been posted from Monaco from his wife. <laughs> well, guys... Thank you both so much for coming. I'm sure wannabe Dragon's Den contestants will be inspired. With thanks to Kirsty Henshaw and Rob Law, this has been City AM Unregulated. You can get the podcast on cityam.com, subscribe with iTunes, Audio Boom, or you can use RSS with your favourite podcast player. City AM Unregulated is an Audio Boom production.